All right, Tim Blankenship here with Divorce 661's Daily Perspective, episode number six. Wow, this has uh, turned into a pretty good little cycle of action for folks. We go over a lot of tips, tricks, how to handle certain paperwork issues that my clients have faced, reasons they've called me, and how we took care of them. And hopefully you will learn how not to mess up your divorce. Or if you are uh, need help with your divorce, you can call me. I'm always happy. We do have a paid service here. But we do like to get a lot of content out about the divorce process in California because it is so confusing. Today, we'll be talking about how we had an L.A. County uh, divorce case finalized in five hours. We're going to talk about summary dissolutions. We're going to talk about um, true default cases. That really messes people up, especially when you have errors on your petition. We had this happen in two clients we took on uh, today, and I'll go over each of those cases. Uh, We're going to talk about how the clerk does not review your paperwork when you submit your petition and other documents. You think they're reviewing it. They're not. We started a Santa Clara case that's 14 years old. I'm going to talk about something special with that. And we're going to talk about when you amend your summons and petition, what documents you have to amend, and how to complete the proof of service of amended summons and petition. So let's get right into it with number one. Ellie County divorce filed and approved in five hours. I talk about this a lot on my short videos and I try and give you a close-up look at the form so you can see what I'm talking about. With LA County, uh, the process is much faster than any other county in California because we can uh, file the summons and petition the same day we're hired. We usually get same-day filings on that, and we finalize the paperwork within a 30-day window, usually within a week or so. And then on that 31st day, we can turn in your final judgment for review and approval. Even though the six months haven't passed, the courts will still approve it. And I'm going to show you what that looks like in detail so you guys can uh, watch it. I'm going to share my screen here so you can see what I'm talking about here. So I have made sure that I've removed all client information of this. Obviously, you want to be very careful with that and everything off my desktop for that matter. So this is a divorce case that was filed. So this was served August 31st. That means we would have filed the case July 30th or whatever the day before that is. Uh, I'm sorry, August, that means we would have filed the case August 30th. When we file the divorce case, we date the date of service the very next day. So we can start the clock immediately so we can turn the paperwork in immediate, uh, turn the paperwork in immediately. So in this particular case, it was served on 831. That's when the jurisdiction started. So six months will, six months in a day is when the divorce will technically be final. And you'll see that date right here, 2021-2024. This case has already been approved as of two days ago. It was, or yesterday, rather. This was approved at 221. So here's the power of e-filing. We submitted this for review on October 3rd, 2023 at 8.59 a.m. That same day at 221, just after five hours of review, this case has been approved. And why I say this is powerful is when you're going through a divorce, you don't want to be in the process for three, four, five, six months. You want to get it over and done with. And that's the way most of our clients are. They want to get this done. So five-hour approval on the judgment. One day after we filed the case, we have it, we have the actual date of service. And we do that by notice and acknowledgement. It's just e-signed in our portal. Nobody is actually physically served or mailed documents. They just e-sign within our portal. And then the court is able to date the final judgment form um, six months in a day from the date of service. Oops, I messed that up. But these people are done. 
They're done as of yesterday. There's no, nothing else is going to happen on February 1st, 2024, other than they will no longer be married. All right, so let's get into the next uh, topic here. Next topic, number two, e-filing of joint LA County petition timing. So we had two summary, uh, uh, joint summary dissolution cases today. And while I sometimes I demonize them for one issue, being that it can be revoked by either party, they are an amazing way to go through the divorce process if you are amicable, cooperative, and cooperative and meet the criteria for a summary dissolution. Both these folks hired me today. These two separate clients hired me today. I finished their paperwork today. They e-signed it. We e-filed it. And the case was has already been filed with the court. And with summary dissolutions, it's a one-off filing. There aren't there aren't uh, additional documents that need to be filed afterwards. Uh, there's no notaries. There's no hearings. What will happen is six months will go by, and then the if someone if nobody has revoked the joint petition, then the court will process the divorce and mail out the divorce decree. So, uh, joint summary petitions we do a lot of those, maybe five or six a month, uh, where people qualify based on. Uh, what you have to qualify for in order to um, qualify for a summary dissolution. Number three, filed a new case in LA today. Um, this one will need to be personally served. So this new case that we started, they are not in agreement. And 99% of the cases I take on, you have to be in agreement 100% with your spouse for me to take you on. This was a different scenario. It was a 33-year-long marriage they had been separated for, I think, since 2018, so five or ish years. But the reason I took these clients on, knowing it's going to be a default without an agreement, is because they have no combined assets or debts. So we're not going to have any problem with property division. We don't, because the court would force an equal division if that were the case on a default without an agreement. And with specifically, um, we're going to reserve jurisdiction for spousal support. And we're doing that intentionally. So she doesn't want spouse support, doesn't want to pay it, doesn't want to receive it, but we can't mark terminate the course jurisdiction on spouse support because the marriage was over 10 years. If we were to mark terminate, which is what she wants to do, and we filed and served that, when we went to turn in the judgment and marked on the judgment terminate spouse support, the court will reject that because it's not allowed uh, to be terminated on a marriage longer than 10 years. So to ensure that there, this particular judgment does not get rejected at the time of a submission, we, we are forced to mark the reserved jurisdiction box on the petition. The What I can add to that is that default without agreement type cases, also known as true defaults, are some of the most challenging and difficult, highly technical cases to get through the court. Number four. Filed a petition, did not mark spousal, cannot finalize on default without agreement. Okay, so we had two cases th today that we took on that we started. Um, the first case I was just talking about in number three, they they started with me from scratch. This next case, they had already filed. And when I reviewed their paperwork, they did not mark the spousal support at all. They, just, they left it completely bank, blank. And we see that quite a bit where people don't, they'll just skip right over the spouse part that maybe don't they understand. They're probably saying, here's what I think you're doing. I don't want spouse support. I'm not going to check any boxes under the spousal support section. I think it's number eight on page two uh, of the petition. So when that happens and you're going to do a true default, again, this becomes the problem on a true default, no agreement. If you don't if you don't check a box, specifically you make an error 
anywhere on the form. You don't add property when there is. You don't mark the spell. Like in this case, they wanted to terminate spell support. You can't then file a judgment, uh, default judgment, asking for it to be terminated. Here's the idea and theory behind why people don't respond. You file the case saying, this is what I, I'm requesting in the petition. The 30 days go by. There's no response. You can file the judgment, but it has to mirror and match what you request in the petition. The theory being the respondent didn't respond because they agreed to the petition. So you can't then go changing things. And that was the issue with these clients. They uh, filed it, not checking off any box on the uh, petition regarding spell support, but she wanted to terminate spell support. So what I asked her, and I always ask folks, and I will ask you, is if you are going through a divorce to do whatever you can to get your spouse to uh, work with you and sign off on the paperwork. They don't have to file a response. They just need to sign off on the settlement agreement. There's a huge difference between it being a, a default with agreement, meaning the respondent signed the settlement agreement, and a true default, no agreement at all. So in this particular case, I said, hey, did, will your spouse sign off on everything? And they said, well, I think I'll ask. So we had to ask, had her ask. And he said, yeah, he'll, he'll cooperate and sign off on everything. So we were able to actually move forward with that. And because with by agreement, we can supersede the petition. When it's a default, no agreement, there's nothing, you cannot supersede what you requested. So we were able to just to pick up and actually finalize your case today. He's very pleased with that because we didn't have to amend or refile anything because he's now going to be in agreement. Number five. The clerk does not review your paperwork. And I had someone laugh at me and not believe me today, but it is true. Trust me, I've worked for the courts in the past. I know exactly what goes on behind the scenes. So when you go to court, or even if you file your paperwork online, and this is any court in California, that just goes to the clerk's office, the people that take your money, stamp your forms. This is not the court judge or judicial assistant or anyone with authority to review paperwork. In fact, the clerks that take your money and stamp your forms are advised. Do not let the party filing their paperwork know if there's any issues with their paperwork because they look at that as giving legal advice. That's not their job. If they look in your paperwork and they knowingly see that your paperwork is screwed up, they're told just take your money, stamp your form, send you on your way. So another case where we today that has um, asked us to take over their judgment, they had started their own divorce. They um, had errors on the petition. And I said, we have to, we have to amend that. We have to make these corrections and kind of start over because it's this the judgment will never go through with the errors you made on the petition. And she laughed at me. She said, well, that's not true because the court approved it. The court didn't approve anything. They took your money and stamped your forms and that's it. And that applies to everything you file up until the time you submit your judgment for review. When you turn in your final settlement agreement and your judgment package and all that remaining paperwork, that's the first time your judgment ever gets pulled. All your paperwork that you previously filed ever gets looked at, and it's looked at from start to finish. Uh, when I worked for the courts, I, I worked back where we would review the judgments, and once we'd get the judgment in, we'd pull their entire file, and we'd start by uh, looking at the petition, summons, make sure the names match. There's a whole checklist we go down to make sure that's all accurate. If there's errors on that, we won't even review the judgment because the error, there's already errors in the petition that are going to cause the judgment to get rejected. So just know that when you hire me to take over your case, I have to look at everything that you filed in advance. Even if you submitted your judgment and already had a reject sheet uh, sent out to you, I'm not going to just correct what's on the reject sheet. I'm going to go back and look at everything because what's going to happen and what I've told you before is the courts do a somewhat of a review of your paperwork, find three or four issues, realize it's a total mess, kick it back for those reasons, 
and send it back to you. And maybe you correct them, you turn them in. Guess what? I can guarantee you it's going to come back with a whole new list of issues. And that can happen four or five different times. And that can add, you know, several months to your divorce being finalized. Number six, worked on a Santa Clara case that was 14 years old and a response had never been filed until last month. And the only reason I bring this up is that number one, you can um, file a response at any time years later if the request in or default has not been filed and entered, even past the 30 days. So if you're going through a divorce, you're amicable or not, you were served uh, and you want to file the response and you look up the case summary and the, and the default has not been entered yet, you can file your response. That's number one. Number two, I forgot what number two was. Uh, it had to do with the it had to do with the uh, default being entered and being able to file a response. But that was kind of what I want to talk about. Is you can still file your response all this time later. Number seven, when you amend the summons and petition, and if you have kids, you also have to amend the UCCJEA. That's that FL one hundred five. So let's say you filed your summons petition FL one hundred five, the UCCJEA. And for some reason, you need to amend it. There's an error, mistake, what have you. It doesn't matter which form had the error. Let's say it was the petition and you forgot something critical that you need to amend it. You have to file the amended summons, petition, all the same paperwork you filed originally, not just the summons or not just the petition. And we see people who call me to take over their case. And usually it's a complete mess at this point because they messed up their initial paperwork and then they uh, filed an amended petition and they didn't amend, file the amended summons or they didn't file the amended UCCJA. So we'll have to go back in. And there's two problems that can occur. One, if they forgot one of the forms, we can just amend that one form and tell the court they forgot to amend this one. And then they'll amend that. And then we have our, our, our amended package. If they messed up the second amendment, like they messed up the petition, we've had people start their own divorce, file a petition, make a mistake. Court told them to amend it. They filed an amended and made different mistakes. And the problem with that is you only get to amend your paperwork one time before the court's going to make you set a hearing to come in so they can see what's going on with your case. They do not allow for second amended petitions. And you shouldn't have to do that in most cases um, because, again, the settlement agreement will supersede what's in the petition. Okay, I'm going to bring up my screen again because when you do, and this is, this is number uh, eight, going off of what we just talked about about amending your summons and petition, is if you amend the summons and petition, you have to amend, you have to file an amended proof of service. So here's where people make the state. Let's say everything we just talked about, you did right. You amended your summons, you amended your petition, you did all that. Now you have to file an amended proof of, uh, sorry, see, I'm even messing up. You have to file a proof of service of amended summons and petition. So here's what people will do and they'll make, they'll make the mistake. They'll do this. They'll put amended petition at the top, so they'll put amended, okay? And then they'll say they're amending the, the summons and petition. That is wrong. When you file an amended summons and petition, this is how this needs to be done. You're going to put proof of service of summons, and then here you're going to put of amended summons and petition. You see the difference there? It's not an amended proof of service. It's a new proof of service of amended summons and petition. And what I usually do in here, just to make sure, is I'll put amended here and I'll put amended here. 
And that is what a proof of service of amended summons petition looks like if you have to do that amendment. Again, it's not a proof of a proof of service being amended. It's a brand new proof of service of those amended documents. So I hope that makes sense, but we see a lot of issues with that, and that will cause your judgment to get rejected as well. So I hope today's daily perspective, this was episode six, was helpful, and you guys uh, tagged along and watched along. If you have questions, uh, feel free to to email me, text me. I do get texts uh, where people just are asking a question. They have no intention of hiring me, or maybe it's a complex case, or they're not in agreement, or just something I wouldn't work on. I'd be happy to do a video for you, so let me know. Hope you enjoyed this episode of The Daily Perspective, Episode 6. See you next time.